This is Scott Pilgrim's precious little life. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Now, one mystery girl. You know this one girl with hair like this? Yes, that's Ramona Flowers. We'll make him. So this is a date, eh? Did I say date? Slip the tongue. Tongue. A fighter. Mr. Pilgrim! I'm Ramona's first evil ex-boyfriend. Wait! We're fighting over Ramona? Didn't you get my email explaining the situation? I skimmed it. Mm-mm. What's all that about? If we're gonna date, you may have to defeat my seven evil exes. Hey everybody, welcome to Watch This Podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And we're here to talk, to talk about movies and stuff. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> That's good, I like that. So today we are talking about the film Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, a movie that I have seen and Devin had seen, but Ryan had not. Based, no, I have not. <laughs> based on the graphic novel by Devin, do you know offhand? I don't. I, I have no idea. You know uh, what? That explains a lot. <laughs> that, that is based on a graphic novel? Yes, that explains a lot. <laughs> I'm excited to have this conversation. I think I know where this is going, and I can't wait. <laughs> okay, so the graphic novel is by Brian Leo Malley. Um, and the film is directed and written by Edgar Wright. Um, Ryan, what is your experience with Edgar Wright films? Have you seen any? Do you know who Edgar Wright is? Uh, the second part of that question is the correct one. No, I do not know who Edgar Wright is. Okay, he, he did, uh, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz... Baby cool. Driver. Have Baby you seen Driver. Any of those? Oh, I cannot wait to see Baby Driver. I haven't seen it yet. Just haven't had the opportunity. But we have to I do it for the podcast. Fuzz, and I absolutely yes. And I absolutely love Shaun of the Dead. So I'm I'm happy that that's because it had that feel. But we'll continue that okay. later. So let's just, okay. Yeah. All right. So Devin, <laughs> I'll start with you because you you straight up told us you did not rewatch the film for this episode. So tell me yeah. your history with Scott Pilgrim versus the world. So I saw it in theaters when it first came out. I think I saw it three times in theaters when it first came out. And then I've seen it. I watched it as soon as it came on Netflix. When I saw it was available on Netflix, I'm pretty sure I own it. Um, Cause I'm sure I've watched it on DVD and I watch it once every couple months, not like with any real purpose. I'm not like it's Scott Pilgrim time, but like it just happens. Um, Cause it's fun. It's a fun movie, and I, I didn't, I didn't rewatch it specifically because I had a talk last night with Romana, and we literally went through the movie in our heads, beat by beat, and picked apart each scene. And I went, yeah, I don't need to watch this. Okay. Cool. It's kind of easy to go beat by beat because you just got to go one x, two x, three x. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah, I saw this movie in theaters too. Uh, my friend from college riley friend of the show uh devin you met riley we filmed a short film at his house in state college oh yeah riley um he introduced me to this so we met up over the summer break i think to go see this and i loved it um it's probably hasn't aged well in spots uh since 2010 but we'll get into that so i i enjoy this movie i, I don't watch it nearly as much as you do but i know I've watched it at least once in the last year, not for the podcast. 
So just like out of the blue one, I said, you know what? I'm going to watch Scott Pilgrim because why not? So with all that said, Ryan, what did you think? I liked it. I really did. Um, okay, good night, everybody. Once he's, <laughs> we did it. Once he started fighting the exes. Okay. Prior to that, like, I knew that it was, like, supposed to be this, like, video game type world from the preview that they were showing prior to it being released in theaters. So I kind of had an idea about what the movie was about. Um, and the the main actor in this, like, I know him from very select films. So I was curious to see how how I think of him as an actor, how how it was going to play out in the film. Um but everything started to actually pick up for me once he started fighting everybody. Okay. Cause prior to that, I just like, I was zoning in and out of paying attention to it, but I, I did pay attention to it. It was just, it, it got tiring sometimes. Out of curiosity, what films do you know Michael Sarah from? Uh, Juno. Okay. And, uh, what, what's the other one where him and like three buddies, super bad high school, super bad that one so like i know him as like the like the awkward you know like anxious like teenager and i was like okay he's got to fight people in this like a video game it's going to be kind of odd to see him as kind of a standoffish person and when he was going in between like the relationship and between dating the high school girl and, you know, going after the girl of like his dreams, actual dreams, because he sees her and, you know, that, um, it just, it, it started to remind me of Juno with video game effects. And I was not interested in that at all. It wasn't until they actually started playing music at shows and doing the fighting that the storyline picked up for me and I actually became interested in it. If I ever, uh, when I watch it again, I'll probably just fast forward to that point right before he goes on stage and then watch it from there. Have you ever seen the movie This is the End, Ryan? This is the End. Was that the one with all the comedians where it's like the end of the world? Yes. No, I haven't There's seen about that. five minutes of that movie I really want you to watch because <laughs> Michael Sarah is my favorite character in that whole movie. And that and the very end of it are the only reasons I like that movie. So Okay, that's fine. Yeah, I, it just it just I have a Yeah, I just I just have a thing with with you know, I've only seen him play certain people. So to see him play somebody who's a bit more like confrontational was good. It's just I got tired of the whole like romantic comedy of him like acting. Okay. Like that type of feel. Yeah, I have a funny story about this is the end before we move on, I saw that what with friend of, the, friend of the show Chad in college. Friend of the show Chad. Yes. And um, my now wife, Anna, is mad at me for seeing this still because she wanted to see it, but I went without her. So she refuses to watch it to this day. <laughs> um, so I've only seen it the one time because I can never get her to watch it with me. Uh, hold strong, Anna. Never yeah. watch it. Yeah. All right. So, Devin. Um, do you want to talk about what, why you enjoy this film so much, just a little bit? Yeah. I mean, one of the things I like the most about it, I think, is its pacing. It has a very quick pace. Things don't linger too much. Um, and it's one of those movies where, like, a lot of stuff happens so fast, and they bury so much cool nuance in the background that it, 
I know it's a cliche, but like for a while, every time I'd watch this movie, I'd pick up new little things like, oh, there's there's that thing, or oh, I didn't notice that this is why this was like that. Like the most recent time I watched it, which was probably about a month ago, maybe two months ago, um, I picked up another small detail at the end that's probably really obvious to everyone, but like I never really understood or didn't interpret the correct way. So I think that's really cool. Plus, I like love the vegan jokes in the middle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you on the uh, the fast paced. It's very kinetic with how it's edited and how they film it. Like there's that scene where Knives comes to their door and Wallace answers and then he says Scott's not there and the camera pushes in and then you just see Scott dive through the window behind him. <laughs> <laughs> and it's such a great like I just love that moment because it's so fast with the, the action, but also just the camera movie is what I picked up on this time. Like, he closes the door just a little bit and the camera goes in with it. And I think that's one of the things Edgar Wright does really well because he doesn't shoot the standard way. He doesn't shoot coverage. He shoots what he wants and goes off of that. So it's like very fast paced, even when they're shooting it. So instead of doing a wide shot, close up, medium shot for each scene, it's no, we, we, we need it from here, here and here. And that's all. That's what he does. Guys, Edgar Wright might be my favorite director. I think I'm. I think I'm coming oh. to that conclusion. Like as we're talking about it, because I keep thinking about his work in Baby Driver, and then in like Shaun of the Dead and um, Hot Fuzz, and like, oh no, I think he's my favorite director. I need to rewatch Hot Fuzz because I've only seen it once. Oh, I it's love Hot so Fuzz. So good. It's so good. I, I need. I need to watch it again. Not for the show. Uh, I think we need to do Baby Driver before that. Yes. Um, but yeah, he's, he's really interesting to watch. I, I, I'm still disappointed we'd not get his version of Ant-Man. So how much of it, how much of Ant-Man did he work on though? Cause I heard he, he was worked on, on some it. of it, but not all of it. He was on that project for almost eight years. Wow. But before they, before they started shooting it, like that's when the issues came about, like, when they wanted to integrate the Avengers into it, like they did like, Oh, we have to send him to the Avengers base. Cause he has to meet Falcon for civil war, which comes out next year. That's where the issues came up. And I think that's why he said he just away. wasn't on board with that. He wasn't on board with that. He wanted to tell his story and have it be in that world, but not have to bend to Disney's will Pay lip service to it. Sure. Yeah. I, I feel like that's what happened. Um, yeah, because that is such a weird scene in that movie. But he did write the screenplay. He does get a story credit on it, at least, I think. Good. Um, okay, so how do we want to do this? Uh, do we want to go through the X's, or do we want to just talk about the uh, star-studded cast that is in this film? Ryan, was there anyone in this movie look- that surprised you, that you know? Uh, I meant to look it up, but I never did. Okay. Um, Gideon. J- is that Tom Cruise? No, it's Jason oh, Schwartzman. No. Okay, because because I was I was looking at him in the acting, and I'm like, that looks like Tom Cruise. I'm like, no, it can't be because I would have known about this. But at the same time, he was also in that like Tropic Thunder or whatever. Yeah, that... and I didn't realize that either. So I was trying to figure out like if that was him or not. Because if it was, oh my god, that would have been hysterical. But it's not. So it's yeah, it's funny. Jason Schwartzman. You've probably <laughs> seen him in other stuff. He's IMDb has him known for Rushmore, the Darjeeling Limited, Motorized Kingdom. 
So a lot of uh, a lot of Wes Anderson stuff. I met um, his brother. That's that's cool. Oh, you did? Yeah, his brother's the lead singer of the uh, of the band Rooney. Uh, and one of my buddies was on tour, and I like got introduced to the whole band, and I was like, oh, hey, I know your brother from that movie. Nice. It was great. <laughs> great, great conversation. Glad I told that story, guys. Ryan, did you hey, did yeah. you recognize anyone else from anything that you're watching re- recently? Well, yeah, I mean, th- th- there was a ton. I mean, th- there were a lot of people in there. Some of them I recognized, but I couldn't place. But the one, I mean, uh, Captain America. I mean, holy hell! Okay. I mean, <laughs> it was so good. This is in that weird time where he was still known as the Human Torch. I think like they, yeah. I think they had just announced he was going to be Captain America before this movie, and it was like, really, they're going to get the Human Torch to do that? And then everyone saw this, is like, oh, I see it now. Okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah. There, and then you also have uh, Captain Marvel in here as well. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That was Brie Larson. Yeah. And then and Superman. And Superman and the Atom and then Superman again because that's what Brandon Ralph does. <laughs> um, actually, he's he's off of Legends of Tomorrow now. He just left the show. Did he really? Yep, they wrote him out. In, in a good way. I haven't watched it yet. I'm way behind on that show. Like I watched the sure. first two episodes after crisis. I was like, I need a break. <laughs> I can understand that. And also other shows like Picard. And Devin, did you reckon, or Ryan, did you recognize anyone from Picard? Cricket. Patrick, Cricket. Patrick Stewart plays Romana flowers. <laughs> no. no, Allison pill who plays the drummer is Agnes. Dr. Durati on Picard. I thought I thought she looked familiar. Picard, which... But I didn't place her. Yeah, yeah. Picard, which Devin needs to binge and watch so we can talk about it. Oh, I'm going to. Don't worry. Um, I don't know. I think the one cameo I was most excited about in this one was Aubrey Plaza. I just enjoy seeing her in everything because she's wonderful. And I forgot <laughs> she was in it for a while. And every time she came, I'm like, oh, Aubrey Plaza. Got it. I feel like this was very early in her career, too. It was early in a lot of people's careers, I feel like. Yeah, a lot of people were young in this. But granted, it was 10 years ago, so. That's true. Anybody that became famous in the, like, 2014, 2015, they were five years younger in this. So The, o- I mean, the only big movie she has before this is Funny People. I heard that, I heard that movie was good. I've never seen it, but I heard it's, it's good. It's on the list. I'm going to make you guys talk about it at some point. I tried watching that at one point. <laughs> and now you're going to have to watch it. So yes, the, the one that the one that always I always forget about is uh, Anna Kendrick. Like I love oh, I love yeah. Anna Kendrick. So whenever she shows up in this, it's always like, oh yeah, I forgot you're in this. And the one thing I didn't realize until recently is that Bill Hader is the voice of the narrator in this. Yeah, I looked that up last night. I didn't know that either, and it makes me so happy. Um, and then Mae Whitman is also in it. She plays, I forget the character's name. Oh, is it Anne from uh, Arrested Development? That That is Anne from Arrested Development. She's also um, the president's daughter in Independence Day, which is how I know her. <laughs> and she's also Guys, in I... New, uh, Good Girls. I love Arrested Development, and I love her character in it. 
Do you guys are you guys familiar with the rest of development at all and like what yes. role she plays? I'm familiar with her character. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're dating what's your name again? And like everything about her is so weird. I just she's one of my favorite parts of the show. For anyone listening who's not sure who we're talking about, we're talking about the actress who plays Roxy uh, Romana's. Or is it? Rom- I, I can't confuse. Is it Ramona? Ramona. Um, Close. Ramona's ex-girlfriend. See, I, I I always get it confused now. Like, especially talking to you, because I always like I feel like when I first met, I I'm just gonna Romana. stop. Ramona. I kept getting her name confused <laughs> with with this one. So Ramona. Yes. That's so common um, though. I actually yeah. I had a teacher that was like talking to me about my girlfriend Ramona and he was like, Oh my god, Ramona and then he called her and was like, Ramona, I've heard so much about you, you're like a celebrity and I'm like, No, you haven't then. If you got her name wrong, <laughs> Um So Ryan, since this was your first viewing, which X battle was your favorite? I would have to say the one with the twins. Okay. Why? The music involved. See, the, the, the reason why I said before that the this movie picked up for me, like right before their first show, right, uh, right before the first battle, like the movie had all of the video game stuff, all of the sound effects, and that was really cool. And it was kind of just like a, basic like rom-com storyline at the beginning and it wasn't until the music actually got involved when they started doing shows that it added that other element that actually pulled me into it um and it was in the middle of that like band battle that i messaged you guys and said this is the greatest uh 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 devo and and white stripes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I wonder um, what that was about. Like, music video, ever. I didn't know what well, that message meant, so... Okay, so... What no, I, knew, I, know what it, I know what it means now, yeah. because but you just said yeah. that out of nowhere. After a, a gif of the White Stripes, I'm like, what is he talking about? Like, am I missing something? Because they sound like the White Stripes. Yeah. yeah. Their band sounds like the White Stripes. They sound... They sound like the Strokes and the White Stripes, and and a few other bands, and I picked the White Stripes because I like them better than the Strokes. So, so I, that and the music videos lined up to, yeah. to the movie. So, so I guess that leads to my next question. Ryan, did you enjoy the music in this? Oh, yeah. Okay. Do you have a favorite song? Um, oh, there were a couple. Uh, the first one they played when they were... Uh, the first song they played, I was worried about because I was like, is this really where they're going with it? But then they actually had their own, um, during that battle, actually during that point. Um, and there was a song they played before that one too, that now I can't really remember. But anyway, it was, uh, it was a combination of the music, uh, along with the video game effects that, saved the movie for me to be honest and then after that point the storyline started to pick up for me i really loved the battles i loved the uh, and then the effects started to make sense um i just really liked the how like people just turn into coins and everybody just doesn't <laughs> take a second glance it's just something that happens i mean <laughs> De- that was good Devin, what is your favorite song I don't remember the song names specifically, 
but I liked the one that they played at the very, very, very end. Like, during the fight with Gideon. Okay. I just, I can't remember what name it is, and I wanted to be ready with that, and I am not. But that was my favorite one. Okay. I think my favorite is uh, not a Sex Bob-omb song, but um, I hate, um, So Sad. I'm sad, so very, very sad. Oh, yeah. Because it's like two beats, and that's it. Yeah. Um, no, I I just re-added the soundtrack to my phone, getting exci- getting myself pumped up for this. So I've listened listened to it a few times since that, and then uh, before watching the movie again. So, yeah, I, I just love the whole soundtrack. All the songs are written by Beck, if you did not know that. I, you know what? I didn't, but I can tell now. Yeah. Yeah, the lyrics. The way yeah. that the lyrics hit and hit uh, uh, hit on the music, definitely. So I have a quick question for Ryan. Uh, so earlier, uh, Alan had asked, like, "Hey, who wrote the the manga or the yeah, who wrote the manga?" And I said that I didn't know. And then Ryan went, "Yeah, I I can tell." What do you mean? Just the way it's shot when. Yeah. Uh, when they were fighting, you had uh-huh. all of the like the blurry backgrounds. Like it was almost in, like anime-ish mm-hmm. to a point, and just the way that like having the having the people who were her exes, some of them the way they were dressed. Um, what gave it away for me was the cat-eared hoodie, yeah, that her one ex was wearing. Um, Roxy, yeah, and yeah, yeah. And then on top of that, just the amount of like the video game effects, like even though they put like the video game noises with them, mm-hmm. it was still the same type of like, like the, the, the lightning bolts over the band at the beginning. Yeah. When they started doing that, uh-huh. it, it all felt like anime to me. Well, some of these shots are literally frame perfect from the manga. That like... makes, I mean, yeah. So then I'm going to dig into this for you for a second. So how much background do you know about the manga, if at all? Oh, I had no idea that it was one until Alan said that that it was. Okay, so we're going to talk because I have an important question for you then. So they have two endings to this movie. And I know that we're kind of jumping ahead to the endings, but this is important because we're talking about the manga. One of the endings is consistent with the manga that they shot, and it's not the one that got included in the final cut of the film. The final cut of the film is what you saw. Yeah. The one that's included with the manga is he lets Ramona go, and he ends up with knives. I'm not going to tell you how anyone thinks about it. I want to know your opinion. I like the movie version better. Like the movie version better? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm also... yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I say I want to hear your I want to hear your reasoning though. Go ahead. I what she says at the end. I mean, he, I mean, granted, he learned a lot about himself during that whole thing. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like towards the end, like he wasn't really fighting for her. He was fighting for himself Mm -hmm. because he was, you know, he he was getting ticked about the whole situation and he was just like, and he was angry. He was like, that's it. Fine. Whatever. Come at me. Mm -hmm. But at the, uh, but at the same time, like he did in the movie at least they showed that even though i mean he was an idiot to start at the film but i mean he did love her mm-hmm. so i mean to me that makes sense now i'm not a mega person or manga person uh-huh. 
So maybe if I was, I'd have a different opinion because of how, you know, those stories flow mm -hmm. and how and how those stor stor stories normally end because they don't end usually the way you want them to. They end the way it's kind of like life. Life happens. You don't always get what you want. Yeah. Uh, this is a short movie and I feel like, I don't know, at the end of it, granted, yeah, he has per personal growth. And he grows as a person, but for this for this kind of movie, for him not to end up with her at the end, yeah, eh, it would have eh. been a little bit weird. It would have been I just wasted time watching this movie. Like that, like that was his goal. That was his mission mm -hmm. for what he's supposed to do. It's a video game movie. His mission in the video game was to get her, and that's where mm -hmm. all of, and that's why all of this happened through level one, two, three, four, yeah. whatever. Okay. Alan, what do you think about this? Because I, I see you reacting a little bit over there. Um, well, I think Ryan just said something along the lines of Scott changes at the end. Mm -hmm. Like, he does everything. Scott's an asshole the whole fucking movie. Like, <laughs> nope, Yeah, he is. But, I mean, at the I same time, he still learns stuff about himself. Yeah, that he's a that he's an asshole. Because at the very end, you get Nega Scott, and he's like, I'll take care of this. And then they walk out, and he's like, yeah, Nega Scott's a really nice guy. Because he's the exact opposite of Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim is just an asshole. He's dating a high school kid <laughs> who he dumps on her birthday. Like, and he, like, the whole relationship with him and uh, Ramona. There, yeah. I, I'm getting it right. Him and Ramona. <laughs> It, it it's just so weird from the beginning because she she plays that she's not interested and like he just walks in on her changing which is like no don't do that but then all of a sudden she's standing in front of him half ass naked and just like opening his like making him open his eyes it's just weird like i don't like either of them the more i watch this movie i like this movie for other reasons their characters not being the the uh, even on the list <laughs> here's the thing i i understand that scott is a garbage person yes but there is something horribly endearing about the performance that Michael Sarah gives that like that makes me not relate to him, but like makes me want to sympathize with him even when he's making bad choices. Cause like they keep bringing up bad choices. He's currently making, they bring up bad choices that he used to make. And like it, he still gives such an endearing performance that I can't not be on his side. Like I never finished this movie going, I don't want him to win. I, I, I agree with that. Like, yes, you're, you want him to win. But at the same time, getting back to the original ending of the book, like, I think it's better if he goes through all of this, grows, and then gets with knives. Because that's him growing as a character. Like, instead of just ending up with his Manic Pixie Dream Girl, because that's literally what she is. You look up Manic Pixie Dream Girl in the dictionary, you see a picture of Ramona Flowers. Um, and it's colored, too, and the, each dictionary has a different color of her hair. Um. <laughs> here's here's my hot take on the ending. I think Knives is too good for Scott. I think she's the I only think that's like, fair as well. purely good character in this. Aside from like 
I feel like the roommate isn't a garbage person. He just wants what he wants. I want to see a whole film of just Kieran Culkin playing Wallace. Side note, did not know that was Macaulay Culkin's brother. Yes. Wow. Okay, so, so here's my thing. Yeah. I wouldn't want him to end up with knives to begin with, because uh-huh. he shouldn't have been dating her to begin with. No, he shouldn't have. And that, 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 is, that is a whole weird thing. Um, yeah. I don't know what the laws are in Canada for statutory <laughs> rape. But the, the whole thing is, like, I don't think he should end up with her from a moral standpoint. But I think they could still be friends. Like, I feel like young Neil's younger than he is and closer to their her age. So maybe she yeah and maybe, like yeah doesn't she date young Neil at some point yeah she does so yeah I mean that's that's fine Neil Neil never hurt anyone I I I'd much prefer the ending where Scott Pilgrim gets with no one and then just ends up being friends with both of them like that's the happy yeah. ending I want like he he realizes what he wants and it's it's neither of them like I Devin do you know why they changed the ending in the movie. I think I think for the reasons that Ryan mentioned, I think because, oh my gosh, I just watched two hours of somebody fighting to win this girl and he doesn't end up with this girl. I feel exactly. like I've wasted my time at the movies. And it was exactly, exactly. that. It was exactly <laughs> that reason. And I think the age difference is a, a big factor for us just because where we are, like we live in America and like yeah. if I if I left high school, me dating a high schooler is really weird and very gross and I don't support that. I think it's not that big of a deal in Japan where the manga was made. Um, oh no, I he's think... Can- he's Canadian. Yo, was it written by a Canadian? Yeah, that's why it's in Toronto. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm pretty oh. sure. Let me do- let me double check. Oh, then that, maybe it's but... not as big of a deal in Canada either. But like, I just I don't know. I I guess it might not be as big of a deal. But the second they made a big deal of like Scott stating a high schooler, like I my immediate reaction is just ew, stop it. Well. I did. I think even in countries where the age difference might be a little bit different than yeah. what it is here in the U.S., there's still a maturity aspect that's different between a 22-year-old and a 17-year-old, regardless, oh, yeah. if it, regardless if that 22-year-old is maturely stunted mm-hmm. like his character was at the start of this film. And that's what I meant by going through. She went through a lot of crap. She even mentioned that she used to be a bitch back in Mm -hmm. New York. And that's why she moved to Toronto to get away from all of that and just start new. And he, through through this process of getting with her, he learns about, you know, what he's been doing to be an ass. She was an ass in a past life. And he learns that he was a past. I mean, and he (laughs) learns that he was a bitch. Yeah. And, you know... uh, prior i mean he he even finally says sorry to the drummer yeah at the end yeah so i mean no like they're all as alan said they're all you know assholes so i mean the fact that he winds up with her at the end i mean it's like two people who kind of deserve each other so i mean to me there's no problem with the way that they ended it and actually i I, I like the way they did it they went through the they went through the door i just wish there was like an after credit scene or something to kind of continue like another five seconds of like where they went or what happened or you know maybe a five second clip of what happened to knives 
That's, well, on that note, that's my uh, only complaint <laughs> up until after that happened. Oh, yeah. We we, lo- I mean, we lost up until after they started. We lost you for like yeah. ten seconds there. At what at what point? I. You said I want an after credit scene where, and yeah. then you stopped. I want an after credit scene of where they just show five seconds of whatever of, if not where they went. Mm-hmm. Five years later, maybe they're not together in five years, and mm-hmm. he's getting the League of Evil Exes back together again. Ah. Um, you've got maybe knives. What happens to her and Neil? You know, maybe yeah. that's something. Maybe, the, maybe, maybe they show that that band finally signs a record deal to somebody who doesn't get killed and gets turned into coins. Something. That's yeah. my only complaint that I have from after where he runs to the green room because he has to to pee because knives and her wind up almost talking to each other and he freaks out. So, I mean, up until like between that and they walk through that door, I love this movie. Okay. I, yeah, I like that. I, I will say like the only time that Scott is any bit redeemable is when he does the second life thing. Like when he, dies and comes back like when he does apologize to uh the drummer about breaking up with her the way he did um i just i feel like there's more you could do with a a second chance at life type thing and i just feel like the ending negates that more than i'd like it to for me i feel like they had a choice they 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 could either give him more things to do to like better himself i guess in the public eye or they could do the 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 fast replay through through the level that he was in which was perfect because i have died plenty of times playing games and it's a breeze to go through that level if you have to again Mm -hmm. and i love the way that they did that and the fact that he like summarized everything he's like i'm here that's it we're gonna fight and he dropped his coat and everybody's like what and then everything gets sped up real uh uh real quickly yeah i i completely i mean it's so relatable to video games and to your point alan there was one other time when I think, and it was towards the beginning of the movie because they did this, they they paced the movie well, that I think Scott had not a redeemable, but like the part that made me be like, that's me, that's my character, that's who I identify with, uh, is when he was at the party and wanted to introduce himself. And he was like, I forget what his line was. It was something like, did you know that Pac-Man used to be called Paku Paku Man, but then they didn't want him to actually scratch the pee off. And it, like, it was like really like, shouting an esoteric fact nobody cares about really fast as a way to make like break the ice i've done that almost every party i've ever been at i was gonna say i'm pretty sure that's how we met you just started telling me about (laughs) pac-man oh oh i think that's exactly how we met that's just how i meet most people is here's an esoteric fact about video games nobody cares about but you know that i know now that i'm a nerd and like that's how i make friendships Every time I watch this movie, I lose about ten pounds in the in the weeks ten pounds in the weeks after because I always forget that bread makes you fat. And then I watch this movie, and it reminds me. It's like, oh yeah, I need to cut back on the bread. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, okay. So I know that scene. I have for years, and uh-huh. I know that that scene is from this movie. And I watched this film. I could put my phone down. I watched it. Where was that scene? Uh, it was. After Wallace goes to the castle to see Captain America. 
so they're at the date at at Wallace and Scott's house. They're eating dinner before before the Captain America fight. Okay, I I I must have blinked and missed it because, like I said, I was it, paying full attention and I watched on Netflix and it's a, it, I'm like, it, where to go? It's a, it's, Where's that scene? It's a quick moment. Um, yeah. So, Ryan, you talked about when we decided we were going to do this one that you had an interesting history with it or a hist- something about this movie that why you haven't watched it yet. Is there? A re- Did you have a reason? Do you know what I'm talking about? I have an issue with uh, mainstream uh, entertainment when it involves geek, cult- uh, geek culture. Okay. So I am automatically skeptical, skeptical, yeah, of shows, movies, um, stuff that involves video games, uh, comic books, uh, and in a way that is not part of it. So, like, mm-hmm. I was all for the Assassin's Creed movie. Mm-hmm. Still am. I own it. I love it. I watch that movie occasionally. Uh, uh, I, uh, and I've watched it a few times Good. since I bought it. Um, I love Marvel mil- movies. Um, I have a problem with stuff like Big Bang Theory. Sure. Where they try to take geek geek culture and make it mainstream mm-hmm. and the fact that it was like scott pilgrim versus the world and the video game effects and the previews and this and that it just it instantly turned me off it's kind of the same thing that i have when when it comes to like sports like i'm fine with sports and movies i'm fine with characters who are a little bit obsessed about sports and films what i have an issue with is when it's done in a way to dumb down the character. And, and I think that's a good conversation to have, though, because, I mean, I think a lot of the interests that are kind of shown by a lot of the main characters in this are a lot of stuff that, like, if these characters were in a different kind of movie, they would be the dumbest, most two-dimensional, one-note character in the room. Um, just because, exactly. you know, oh, he likes video games. That's his whole character. His character is, he likes video games. He's going to talk about video games. He's going to be the guy that in the middle of our crisis is going to be like, guys, if we just had our blaster rifles like in Halo, and that's going to be the joke that gets the laugh before the action starts. Like, yeah. and, I'm, and I totally understand that. I mean, even to your point with Big Bang Theory, like the jokes in Big Bang Theory aren't jokes. The punchlines aren't good punchlines. Any punchline in Big Bang Theory can be traded out with any nerd-sounding word, and the joke yeah. would still hit. Because the, exactly. joke, the point of the joke is... Here's a nerd thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I. So now, now, granted, I will say that I was wrong because I did not know that this movie was set in a video game world. Okay. Okay. Be- so yeah. if I would have known that, I wouldn't have had the problem, and I would have seen it. Earlier. Yeah. My. Like you said you had a problem with anything mainstream. Devin, you saw this in theaters. Was this considered mainstream to you and your crowd? Uh, I mean, I saw it to mostly empty theaters. I mean, I think, st- like, numbers-wise, I think not a lot of people came out to see this movie. I think it only made, like, 31 million box office or something, which was, like, definitely not... And I think not what it, like, cost to make it, or, like, it's super underperformed in the box office. And I think that, like, it, it now has cult following status. Where did you get that 31 million budget money? 30 million... 
from what I remember from watching honest trailers of Scott Pilgrim last night. Okay. Okay, because that was a very specific number. The gross domestically was uh, $31,524,275. million dollars five hundred twenty-four thousand two hundred seventy-five. Oh, yeah. So that was just very specific. I'm like, wait, is he just pulling that out of his ass? What's going on? No, it, it, it <laughs> was a flop. It was a $60 million budget. Opening weekend made $10 million. Uh, worldwide, it made $47 million. So... Here's what I mean by mainstream. Mm-hmm. Anything that's not somebody on YouTube. Oh, yeah. When it comes to depictions of geek culture in entertainment. I, I think it... I've... I, I think... It's it's very rare for me to find somebody, a character that I like, who's betrayed in a show or a movie that's into this type of stuff. I, I think you have to... I think the big thing with Scott Program is you have to look at who's behind the camera with this one. Because it... Like, Edgar Wright by his own admission is one of us. Like he's a film geek and video well, game true. nerd. So you gotta, like, I, I get where you're coming from. Cause I, everything you said, I agree with, but when it comes to something like this, like, and you, you talked, we talked about Shaun of the dead and hot fuzz. Like he has a, a passion for this kind of stuff and like genre type things. And this is like its own genre type of stuff. So. And that's great. Like I said, if I would have known that this whole thing was set in a video game world where people turned into coins and everybody was born with a certain special fighting ability or something, if I if I would have known that prior, I would have seen this a lot earlier. I thought from the previews that this was just some kid that saw any interaction he had with people as a video game. Mm. I did not know that when he went to pee, there was going to be a little pee bar over his shoulder, <laughs> and it was going to drain as he peed. I, yeah. Okay, so you keep saying it's set in a video game world. Devin, did you see it like that, too? Honestly, I think I saw it as... Yes and no. I guess it depends on how I'm feeling in the day. So there are some days when I'm like, yeah, it's a video game world. And then there are some days where I'm like, no, guys, the video game part of it is all just Scott's mind filling in the blanks of the world to make sense of the things that he can't understand. Because I've been watching a lot of Jim Carrey's kidding lately, and that's just how stuff works on that show. So I think my most recent hot take on it is that's Scott Pilgrim's mind filling in the blanks of the world. I I definitely think it's a little bit of both. I think... A lot of the stuff before the X battles is that what Devin's saying, but then I think whenever the uh, the League of X's comes together and comes into town, like Gideon did something to give them powers and like I always look at how, like, I how always sure look at like, that he's not metaphysically dealing yeah. with the X's by overpowering each one of their weaknesses in Ramona's mind, and that it's not all just him being a better boyfriend and growing as a person, and it's all existential and not actually physical battles. Devin, Devin. Yeah. Yeah. Stop. Nerd! <laughs> no, no. I mean, to me, if it's not a video game world at the start of the film and you don't have the lightning bolts and the little, like, heart things and, and like, and, like, the P meter, you don't have that stuff if all of the sudden it becomes a, uh, a world like that when the X's start fighting. To me... This world is is a different universe. It's on a different planet. It's on a planet called Earth. 
but everybody's made out of 8 bits. Like, that is seriously, to me, like, that's how this world is. And so that's why I say it's a video game world. I See, I, I guess I look at it as this is just a stylistic choice of how they wanted to portray this story. It's all surreal. It, it doesn't have to make sense. It's just the way they want to tell the story. I don't look at it as a video game world. I think as soon as the X's are defeated, I don't think there's video game stuff going on. I think it's just all surreal to be surreal. He, if that makes he, sense. He made it. He made a lunch date with his other half <laughs> at the end. He made a. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it's one of those things to me. This movie's entertaining. It's good. It's just, if it's not a video game world and it's not taking place in a. In a world where you know vegan police come after you in a smart car, <laughs> like if that's not a thing, like actual thing, and it's all in his head, then to me, again, it goes back to that ruins the movie for me. Okay, Just I mean, like it would have if he would have went with not. You can take a take of it what you will. Like I'm not taking that away from you. I'm just saying I never really looked no, at it I that don't. way. Uh, we also have to keep in mind that maybe this is just how things work in Canada. Uh, it's just a magical <laughs> way. I haven't the been north. there long enough. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we were Devin, We were there for what, like a weekend that one time? Not long enough. Yeah. Yeah. Good um, times. So I did have a question for you guys about this movie, and it's not related to Canada, so I'm sorry. Uh, um, one of the debates about the movie, uh, and this is going to get a little heavy, but I feel like we're there anyway. Uh, one of the debates about the movie is is how how big of a role misogyny plays in the movie and is the plot and is what's happening actually kind of not okay one of the things they point to is ramona as a character she is like alan brought up a couple times a literal depiction of the manic pixie dream girl um who is literally won by somebody who just plays video games and she's not necessarily a person with fault you know with with whole depth and backstory she's just the prize at the end of the game i mean that's and there are tons of counterpoints to that there are tons of examples for and against it i just want to know where you guys fall on that i mean i think i agree with yeah it is a problem like i said at the beginning of the show there are issues with this movie and that that's a big big part of it is the whole misogyny thing because it's exactly what you just said and i think that's part of the reason i don't like scott as much as i do like he's a misogynistic a-hole. Mm-hmm. I've used up all my swear words for this one. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I definitely agree with that. Um, but for like a story when it's being told the way it, like the video game aspect of it, like if you're going to go level by level and boss fight with boss fights, then you need, you should have a prize at the end. Does it need to be, the manic pixie dream girl no it could just be him learning more about himself and moving on and all of that like mm-hmm. yeah that, that's where i stand on the whole thing ryan what, what's your take she had a computer chip in the back of her head you so say you think she was being manipulated by gideon the whole time that's what they said yeah i mean she she couldn't keep him out of his head he deactivated the computer chip. 
she saw him as a savior. I see it as a whole uh, white knight type storyline. And like I said, if they would have had a five second like after credit scene where, you know, it turns out that they broke up at some point and they're living two different lives, but they're still friends. I would have been fine with that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it's definitely can be seen as negative. Um there is a reference to that, right? I think it's either the first or second time that him and Gideon are going to fight. And he says something about like, or somebody says something about her being a prize or like, so something uh, along those lines. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can definitely see how this can be negative, but at the same time, she has a computer chip in the back of her head. And you can tell by the way that Gideon was sitting there on his throne playing with her hair like she was some type of possession. Mm-hmm. I would say in a world of who's less evil, I mean, I would say Scott. <laughs> because that was definitely, they were definitely showing an abusive type relationship there. I mean, I don't think, yeah. I, I think the whole chip in the head is a, another issue, though, that is a whole nother bag of chips. Like, it's... I mean, if we're literally... If we're not speaking about chip in the head literally, and I don't mean to bring this up to be annoying about it, but if we're not bringing chip in the head up literally, I mean, I think we've all met people that are just completely manipulated by whoever yeah. they're dating, and I think that that's the metaphysical reason. But yeah. like, and... Uh... Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that computer chip... Okay, so let's say this isn't a video game world, and this is all in Scott's head, and he's having bar fights in the middle of Toronto, Canada, (laughs) and he's just thinking like this, and those vegan police were actual police that arrested the guy for starting the fight or whatever, then, yeah, Gideon had um, had her under his thumb. She... He was mentally abusing her to the point where whenever he showed up, he could control her. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to go that route, then yeah, that's what that computer chip is like there for. And I'm sorry, but one bad relationship doesn't fix a last one. So if they do get together and Scott isn't really the best guy, we've already talked about that, then they're not going to stay together. They're going to go to like Ontario or Houston or something. So, and then they're going to split up again. Okay. Here's a question for both of you. Okay. In, the, in a post-Me Too Hollywood era, do you think this movie would get made today? This script? I don't think the movie would. Movie. I, don't, I don't think this script would get made today. I think that there would have to be major changes to the script. Um, because one of the things that I was thinking about while we were having this discussion is, and I can't remember the name of the test, and I'm sure I brought it up in another podcast, but there's a test that people run through female characters in movies uh, to see like how good of a character or how well-written they are. It's the and Bechdel it's, test. is that character... What's up? It's the Bechdel test. That's it, Bechdel test. Uh, and it's just, would that fe- is that female character talking about anything that's not related to the immediate love interest or the love interest? And I don't think she passes the Bechdel test even once, and she has no. a lot of screen time. She does. Uh, so, no, I don't think it would be made today. Brian? The, there would definitely have to be changes to it. She would have to be more of a person, an actual <laughs> person. Um, 
she the whole computer chip thing that would have to be like if they weren't going to make any major changes to this the high school girlfriend wouldn't be a high school girlfriend he would be 27 28 and dating a college girl um and she would have her own major and be dealing with where she wanted to take grad school um and dealing with her own actual life instead of just you know praising him because she wouldn't be in high school anymore and she'd be you know whatever um but i feel like the computer chip would have to be explained a lot earlier in the film if you didn't want to change her character too much but after but after that computer chip gets turned off that's when she would have to become her own person and not just you know the trophy standing there at the end that's how i could see them fixing the script okay you could still have the angry drummer ex-girlfriend. That oh. was... I feel like that was okay, because that was just there for, like, a sight gag here okay. and there. And that yeah. was it. Any final thoughts on Scott Pilgrim versus the world? I have one, and it's a, a funny fact that I looked up uh, just now that's a callback to one of our previous discussions. Sure. When we were talking about um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, the film includes a, tw- a Quinn Tarantino nod. Uh, Edgar Wright said he included a close-up of Romana, uh, of Ramona's feet during her date with Scott as a tribute to Quentin Tarantino and his foot fetish. Ew. Gross. Not uh, not judging. Not judging no, fetishes, okay. but no, I, not my not my deal. No. No, that's cool. Um <laughs> and then and then I have one Go for it. one thing. You okay? Okay. So, Devin, remember how we talked about before about with uh that movie with the kid who sees the dead people and he has to do things for him. I forgot what Six, the movie name Six is. Six Sense. The kid gets born the same day the people die and they link to him and he oh, has to do stuff for oh, him. Oh, the Robert the Downey movie Jr. movie we, we watched. Heart, Heart yeah, and Souls? I can't, I can't remember the name. Heart, yeah, Soul. Heart, Heart of Heart Gold. Souls. There we go. Heart and Soul, yeah. Remember we talked about my issue, the fact that they picked the wrong car for him? Yeah. Okay. Perfect example of what I'm talking about, doing it right. And I and I already mentioned it, but I want to pull back to that last podcast we did and finish the conversation here. Yeah. Um, the vegan police come in, and it was great because that one actor is the main actor from Land of the Dead, I believe. And I just got done watching that uh, not that long ago. I think I see Devin Thomas doing Jane. his research on that. Thomas Jane. But, um, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so... They're there talking, and they turn around, and I see, like, the little lights, and I see the headlights in the car, and they get in, I'm like, oh, that's a smart car, and they're the vegan police. And I was like, that's, and I thought to myself, I got to point that out to Devin, cause, because that's exactly what I'm talking about, about doing it right. Yeah. They didn't turn around and just go to, like, a, like a Corolla or, 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 a, or a normal police car. They sat and they thought about it vegans okay what okay what do vegans think about what are what's the stereotype of their political beliefs they're like okay well when it comes to they're going to care about the environment because they're vegan okay so what car in 2010 you know would a vegan drive like oh a smart car <laughs> that's a good point and though so that's that's exactly what I'm talking about, about stuff that keeps me in a film and uh-huh. what can take me out. Because if they would have gone back to a Crown Vic, I would have, that whole scene would have been thrown for me. Because no, vegan police are not going to drive a Crown Vic. Not going to happen. I like that. <laughs> All right. 
Yeah, so I definitely recommend Scott Pilgrim, even though it has issues. It's definitely a fun film to watch if you're a film yes. fan. Very kinetic, very energized, um, right up our alley. So yeah. I think that does it for this week. Uh, make sure to rate and review the podcast wherever you listen to us. Um, we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Podbean. Uh Feel free to email us at you have to watch this podcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram at you, at you have to watch this podcast. Um, tune in next week where Ryan makes us watch, I think, a baseball movie. I think that's the plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it still okay. is. Good. Cool. So tune in next week for, well, we, we're, we'll be talking baseball. Uh, for you have to watch this podcast, I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And we'll see you next week.